Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. Welcome to Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. This is Dr. Dan. Freedom Forum Radio is for you, faithful listeners. No matter who you voted for or what political party you belong to, Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is not about politics. It's about principle. It's not about candidates. It's about conscience and the Constitution. Like the name implies, this is a program about freedom, individual freedom, your freedom, where it comes from, what it means to you, and most importantly, how to hang on to it. Because of the Easter holiday, we are running a rerun of last week's episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Next week, we'll have an all-new episode and part two of this three-part series with best-selling author Matt Bracken. My guest today, a very special guest, Matt Bracken. He's written a novel that is on everyone's lips, Enemies, Foreign and Domestic. I don't want to give a commercial for it, but I'm telling you right now, if you have not read Matt Bracken's Enemies, Foreign and Domestic, you're missing one of the greatest reads that you will have. I will tell you, uh, I started it one evening. It's a good thing. I don't know if it's a good thing or not, but it's a good thing I had to go to work in the morning because otherwise I would have stayed up all night and finished it. I have to tell you, it only took me two evenings to finish because I could not put this book down. Uh, incredible book, and it's the first book in a trilogy, Enemies, Foreign, Domestic, number one, Domestic Enemies, number two, and Foreign Enemies and Traitor, number three. Uh, three incredible books. Um, and so it is my pleasure today to welcome you, Matt Bracken, to Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. So, Matt, tell us a little bit about your background so we can understand uh, where you're coming from. I was uh, raised in Baltimore, um, born in 57, kind of the tail end of the baby boom. I was number nine out of ten with eight older sisters, or seven older sisters, rather, one younger. Um, I like to think that helped me with dialogue, because when I read a lot of male authors, I think that they just can't get female thinking and speaking, really. They don't just don't get it right. So listening to um, eight sisters growing up, I think that was a big advantage. I um, graduated from high school in 75, went away to college in Virginia, and uh, basically have been out of Baltimore since then, except for visiting. Um, after the after college at the University of Virginia, I went to uh, SEAL training, BUDS training out in Coronado, California, made it through there, and went to the East Coast uh, SEAL teams, 
I was not ever interested in being a career officer. Um, I was basically just paying for my NROTC scholarship with, uh, you know, kind of a fun and adventurous time. It was, you could say, between wars. My active duty time in the uh, in the 80s, uh, all of my instructors were Vietnam vets, so my uh, tactical skill set background is pretty much, uh, you know, woods and jungles, uh, light infantry, nothing at all like what you picture today. A, a SEAL is now wearing a helmet and uh, body armor. We didn't use them at all. You know, we had no white lights on our weapons. If somebody had told me in in the 1980s that SEALs or anybody would be running around with bright white lights on their rifles, we would have thought they were crazy. Uh, but the you know the, the tactics and the technology were just different. So I um, I had a great time. I uh, was never in combat. Uh, closest I got to a danger zone was Beirut, but certainly wasn't combat. And uh, so I, I essentially benefited from a lot of great training. I uh, got out of the military in the 80s, uh, started a couple businesses that didn't go anywhere, tried to start like the, the first uh, uh, Blackwater security type of company, but I guess I was ahead of my time or not a good businessman. Um, did some other things, built a big sailboat, sailed around, uh, eventually started writing these novels around 2000. Uh, and that has taken me up to today uh, with four novels and a, a fifth novel. It's sort of on hold because I don't really see a point in uh, writing a book that might take another year or two when the country's about to go over the cliff sooner than that. So I've switched to writing these essays and just putting them out whenever I can. Well, you know, it's it's really interesting. You and I have an awful lot in common. Uh, first of all, I have to tell you that my wife is one of seven sisters, so I really understand that concept very, very well. Uh, not that I was personally, but being raised with seven sisters is going to give you a very different perspective on life. Uh, and uh, I don't mind saying that I noticed that the heroine of book number two is female, and I bet you that had something to do with that. Half my family is also from Baltimore, so I, I know that area a little bit, although we never spent much time there. And I spent a lot of years uh, on sailboats in my younger years. So uh, we have a very common, a common background. In addition, uh, I was a commissioned officer in the Navy during the Vietnam era. Uh, I also didn't go overseas, but I also uh, uh, understand uh, what being part of the military is. And, and most importantly... The fact that you do take an oath, and that oath uh, contains the phrase "enemies, foreign and domestic," and I'm sure that that's really what we're going to need to talk about uh, more so today, probably probably than ever before. So, well, that, what what can you tell us about your books? About especially the first one, "Enemies, Foreign and Domestic." Well, the the title really contains uh, is a microcosm of the theme of the book. Because I, I sincerely believe that the future of our country is going to come down to the sincerity or lack of sincerity of the people that take that oath. Um, in in uh, in the context even of today, you know, with uh, people like Holder and Obama running the country, if if they're smirking and rolling their eyes when they take that oath, then we're in for a really hard time. 
But if they're sincere about defending the Constitution, well, I don't believe those guys are, but if the majority of, of military officers and high-ranking uh, Department of Homeland Security officials, hi, guys, if, if the senior executive service, which is what they call the super grades these days, these are the civilian generals that uh, uh, you know, run the bureaucracy, if they think that the Constitution is just some joke, uh, you know, that some element from the past that they just have to work their way around until they can, you know, declare a new order, then we're definitely going to have a problem because millions and millions of us who took the oath still take it very seriously, very seriously. Absolutely. And, I mean... Yeah, and... and I, I'm I'm really glad. Now I understand, and you understand that our rights come from God, the same way that our founding fathers understood it. And back at the time of the Constitutional Convention and the debates after the Constitutional Convention, there was even a discussion about whether a Bill of Rights was even necessary, because it was so obvious to most of our founding fathers that it didn't even need being put into writing. But some wise, very wise men said, you know what? At some point in the future. It might not be clear to our 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 uh, descendants, and so they gave us this gift of a written bill of rights, and it's what we it's all we've got to hang on to. You know, the the tenth amendment is basically gone. The fourth amendment is ninety percent gone. And they can listen to this phone phone call. They can read our emails, do almost write their own search warrants, do anything that they want in that regard. But we've still got the first two, and my thing right now is to serve almost as another canary in the coal mine. You know, we're, we're, you and I, we're standing up on the skyline. Tactically, it's the worst place to be. We're visible from miles around in all directions, intentionally so. We know it. If, there's a, uh, if this goes the wrong way, we'll be gone. We'll be taken out. We understand that. But other people that are down in the valleys can see us still standing up there. And as long as they see us, they'll, they'll know we're still free to speak. We still have a First Amendment. It's and if that's taken away, if that's completely gone, we still have a Second Amendment. So, I mean, these are very serious issues, and, and my books are very serious novels. They're, they're fiction, but in a way they're not fiction. They're, they're uh, you know, complex allegories for the, the times we're living in. We have to take a quick commercial break right here on Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. More with best-selling author Matt Bracken right after the break. You've mentioned some points that I think are absolutely critical, uh, and I agree. I'm standing on the mountaintop with you to be seen, to voice what is necessary to voice right now, and that is the principles that are outlined and secured and guaranteed to us by the Constitution. Those Judeo-Christian principles that our founders used to write that document were based on the fact that the population was a moral population. That John had, Adams. That's right. They had values, and they lived those values, which is why, as you said, the, they didn't really think the Bill of Rights was necessary because it's, it was obvious. That's how they lived. That's how they believed. That's how they thought. But thank God. And I say thank God with a capital G that they did put that Bill of Rights in there because they were smart enough to understand there would come a time when men who had a lust for power would try to subvert those ideals that they worked so hard to put on paper. 
natural law rights, property rights. Yeah, that's the that's the uh, John Adams quote that uh, our Constitution was only made for a moral people. And if you look at the last century, from I would you know from Marx and Engels through Wilson, and you can uh, you know our listeners are familiar with Antonio Gramsci, the Frankfurt School, the Fabians. They understood better than Lenin. Lenin thought that there could be like a, a military revolution so, uh, uh, method of of establishing world communism. Gramsci, the Fabians, the Frankfurt School, they knew that they first had to corrupt and demoralize the West. They had to make the West not even want to defend itself. And they've spent the last century doing exactly that, so that our universities today are are run by, you could almost say, the, the William Ayers educators. These are, the, you know, the, the uh, what's his, I forget his first name, Zinn, Howard Zinn. You know, these are the anti-American, anti-Western uh, uh, educators have been teaching generations now. Well, you so know, I'm sorry. At this point, in 2013, all that the Bill of Rights, Rights gives us, I believe, is a ticket to a civil war. But a ticket to a civil war is a lot better than a railroad ticket to Auschwitz or the Gulag. Well, that's and at least at least we'll at least we'll have the opportunity to contest the result. And that's exactly true. You know, this goes back to the early 1990s when uh, the Berlin Wall came down and the Soviet Union dissolved. Many people in this country falsely thought that communism was dead, that we had won, we were jumping up and down, we won, we won. Meanwhile, the Communist Party USA and their fellow travelers were meeting, and they were planning on how to take down the United States from the inside. And I'm sure that you know it all goes back to Skousen's book of the, uh, the Naked Communists from 1958. And the three areas they knew they had to destroy in order to take over America from the inside, they had to destroy the American family, the American morals, and the American economy. And that's what they set out to do uh, by the American family, destroyed by easy divorce, uh, by feminism, uh, destroy American morals, by promiscuity and pornography, and to destroy the U.S. economy uh, by using the environmental movement to well, destroy don't forget, our country. Don't forget open homosexuality, that if you even contest now, you are considered a hater and a bully. They wanted to make homosexuality a, an acceptable alternative to heterosexual marriage. And not only acceptable, make it unacceptable to in any way contest that. And that's what they've done. And that's why we're weak now is because they planned it this way. You know, of those of those 45 goals of the Communist Party outlined in The Naked Communist, they've achieved 44 at this point. If well, you... and and we we've got a tough a tough fight ahead. And thank goodness at least we have a couple of uh, of trench lines remaining to fight in. And the the Second to last trench line, I believe, is the First Amendment, and the last trench line is the Second Amendment. That's why I'll tell anybody that listens, no registration, period. Absolutely. Any national gun control law that requires people to, to get permission to own a weapon, we have to give them the same answer that, you know, that uh, 
the secular saint Rosa Parks gave. No. You know, we, it's now considered to be completely moral and honorable to uh, uh, refuse to obey certain laws, such as no blacks at lunch counters, um, blacks on the back of the bus. Okay, I'm on board with that. And I also will say any law that says you must get government permission to own a firearm, I say no. And, th- and they're, they're, the thing that they're going to do to make it very difficult on your tax forms, on your driver's license uh, renewal form, on your, your uh, vehicle registration form, it's going to have a block that says, you know, with big, bold, red dashed lines around it, under penalty of perjury, I swear that this is true, you know, five-year mandatory minimum if I'm lying, and that I am swearing that all of my documents concerning my firearms are up-to-date and true. And you're going to have to put your John Hancock one there and tell a lie. And you're going to have to tell a lie. Absolutely. Because you cannot, at, under any circumstances, hand the government a registration list. You know, of course, and I know my listeners know because we've talked about this before, is that universal registration of guns inevitably leads to selective confiscation. Selective confiscation of guns from the groups of people or the individuals that the government wants to eliminate. That's what happened in Nazi Germany is one of the best examples of that. In 1935, Hitler and the Weimar Republic had universal registration of firearms. Several months later, Werner Best, the uh, second-in-command of the Gestapo, said uh, that guns, it it should be, it it is obvious that guns in the hands of the Jews represent a threat to the German people. Confiscation ensued, and between 1939 and 1945, million Jews, gypsies, and others, undesirables, who were unable to defend themselves, were rounded up, arrested, and exterminated. And not, not only the Jews in Germany and, and Europe, but the Soviets did the same thing. The, the Turks did it to the Armenians and Greeks in Turkey. And in every case, they use the, they use the uh, claim of public safety. And, and I, I'm very big on language. I'm very big on words. Um, I, I'm always bothered and alarmed by how naive conservatives are. I'm, I'm constantly thinking of, you know, a 1910 boxer in the Marquis de Queenberry, Queensberry stance, yes. you know, at the fifth house, yes. constantly yeah. getting kicked in the crotch. Yep, And absolutely. not believing that the other guy did it on purpose, and then getting back into the Marquis de Queensberry stance again. And, you know, we're in a, we're in a street fight for our lives, and we still won't fight by the Alinsky rules. Yeah, I, was, I was watching... Uh, CNN last night, I you know, flipping around the channels, and I caught a little bit of uh, some fellows from the uh, Southern Poverty Law Center. You know what they do to the to the language? Not only have they made the word militia, which is a you know to me a sacred word, it's in the Second Amendment. Not only have they made that and synonymous with you know evil right wing racist Nazis. This guy from the uh, Southern Poverty Law Center, he didn't even use the word patriots. He uses the word patriots. Hate. That's who we are now. So the, if you're a patriot, you're a hater. I mean, that's how, they, that's how they twist the language. 
You know, and we need to get into that kind of a fight and fight back and not just be suckers and take it. That concludes part one of three of this very special interview with best-selling author Matt Bracken. Tune in next week for part two. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. People, I just love to hear that old man sing. Yeah, when I play the hoochie-coochie man I get joy in everything Everything, everything Everything gonna be all right this morning Hoochie